0: Second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Boom.
1: Hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics Podcast. He's John Sager. I'm Joe Greenwich. John, we made it a week. We made it a week without any sort of issues. Well, we, we made it a week to this point without any sort of issues. Let's not jinx it. I was about to say that that's a little, little hasty. Who knows by the time this actually ends up on your feed what has happened. But as of the start of this week, it's the week before the 4th of July. Normally, we're into the dog days of summer. But we've just now gotten there as the Sixers season just ended in painful fashion a week ago. The Eagles haven't started yet. The Union have just restarted from from their little tournament break. The Flyers, still a few months away. Speaking of tournament break, John, I know you've been watching Euro 2020. I should say Euro quote-unquote 2020, right? I actually watched... Whoa! whoa a very a little
0: bit of the match. That's today. not the
1: answer I was expecting to hear. Which match did you see? Uh, It'd be France and Switzerland. Oh dear lord! What part did you turn on? Uh, the very end. Oh okay. And <laughs> I was gonna say I really hope you didn't see that that part in in the middle of the second half, where uh, for those of you, well, I guess we can't spoiler alert a match that happened like two days before everyone is listening. Two matches today, just real quick. Spain and Croatia if you haven't seen the own goal that Spain scored that was credited to Croatia John I encourage you to look it up just absolutely hilarious you've got one of the best teams in the world and the defender passes the ball back to the keeper and he just he was thinking about where he was going to pass it never received the pass into the net Spain goes and scores the next three goals Croatia gets two late ones to tie it. Spain gets two in extra time. John, when's the last time you saw a 5-3 scoreline in a soccer match? Um, I bet you probably haven't watched three soccer matches total with eight goals in them. There's a very good chance of that. (laughs) There's a very good
0: chance of that. I think
1: the Union lost to New England 5-3 at a game I was in attendance for a couple years back. And I I do
0: want to pose to you a question, friend of the pod, uh, Jeremy from Michigan, Uh, tweeted at us uh, today. Worst closers, Spain or the Phillies' bullpen?
1: I think my answer was something about uh, defensive calamity at the end of the game. Uh, Spain, yeah, like Jeremy alluded, could not put the game away, but they did get two goals in extra time to to get the win. Um, The Phillies are more consistently bad uh, at the end of the games there, but I think Spain just did it on a much larger global scale. So I'm going to call that one. Hey, it's soccer comparison. I'm going to call it a draw. All right, though. In the second match, the one that John saw France is, is the defending world cup champion. The favorites going into this tournament, give up a goal to Switzerland early. They're trailing for, for the rest of the first half. And for the start of the second Switzerland gets a penalty kick to go up 2-0, very poorly taken, in my opinion. The keeper saves it. And a friend of mine says to me, France just won the match right there. Within five minutes, the French have scored twice to go up 2-1. Paul Pogba, he plays for Manchester United. Boo. Uh, still, still a great player. Roofs an absolute screamer to make it 3-1. France is ready to move on to the quarterfinals to take on Spain. But nobody told Switzerland. The Swiss come back and they get a goal. They're not dead yet. And then again in stoppage time they tie it up. We're going to extra time. No goals. Penalty kick shootout. The first 9 players convert their kicks. And then Kylian Mbappe, one of the best players in the world, gets stoned by the Swiss goalkeeper. Switzerland is moving on to the to the rather to the quarterfinals. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. They're going, to, they're going to face Spain in the quarterfinals. So if the Spanish can't close again, we know the Swiss can get back off the mat. So on Friday, and hopefully by then this, this episode will have dropped, but on Friday, Spain and Switzerland are going to do battle in the quarterfinals, as will Belgium and Italy. And whoever wins that match, I think is going to be the prohibitive favorite to take the whole tournament.
0: I will say just one note the reason you didn't ask me why I had turned on the match. you
1: know what I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth.
0: Well, so uh initially we were going to uh exchange the what are you drinking beverage <laughs> and I and you said This is uh, you know, John's
1: way of trying to move the show along, I think. <laughs> and you
0: said you know that you were watching, you know, you know, the match and then That's you right. you come over after work. And then after a little while I figured you know, it's still been a little while. I should turn this match on because it's <laughs> probably pretty good. And the first thing that popped up was a slow motion replay, beautiful shot of you know just right from behind the net of you know the keeper just stonewalling. You know, you know the the what I found out was the one kick that that didn't go in. <laughs> but I it came on as the replay went on, and I, I thought. Oh wow! This this must be really good. I'm glad I turned it on now. And then you know, apparently, (laughs) so you saw literally
1: none of the actual match.
0: (laughs) And and, you know, a critic of soccer might might say something about that being you know all of the action right there. However, I'm a huge baseball fan, as we'll get into (laughs) later on, and you know that. that, that Yeah, I don't think you
1: have to tell anybody that at this point in the show. We're we're almost forty episodes in. I think I think people have figured out how how big a baseball fan you are. We've had Sixers dedicated episodes where you took shots at Andrew Knapp. We had an Eagles post-mortem where somehow the Phillies came up. I think we know where your sports allegiances lie, John.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, and speaking of allegiances, I think one of my uh, favorite seltzers, unpaid sponsorship.
1: <laughs> well, why don't we get into it? We, we back in, under our old brand – uh we had just started doing some some drink taste tests. Uh we had done a blind taste test where I wrapped up what turned out to be a can of PBR hard coffee and had John put it in his fridge for a couple of days.
0: You were not wrong. and
1: <laughs> and he revealed what it was. We tried it on the air. The results were mixed. Um I'll just that I'll just put it kindly and say they were mixed. So, so John's been waiting for his opportunity to get back at me and uh, he may have found it right out of the chute. So John, let me ask, what are we drinking?
0: That would be white claw, hard seltzer, raspberry flavor.
1: So this isn't really a taste test for you. It's really a, here's a flavor. I know that Joe believes he doesn't like and won't like I'm going to make him drink it anyway.
0: I shared it with you because I thought it was uh, magically delicious to steal a, a, <laughs> probably a trademark phrase.
1: Okay, I'm sure that's it. Hold on, let's, uh, let's pop this open. Now, I did stick it in the freezer real quick because the previously mentioned exchange happened less than two hours ago. So, I stuck it in the freezer. It looks like it hasn't frozen. So, let me get a quick sniff. A strong berry scent, I will say. It kind of I guess when you when you taste something that's berry flavored, um, the the overwhelming berry tends to be raspberry because this to me just smells like, quote unquote, a berry flavored product of some sort. And I, I did say when you when you handed me the can, the only raspberry I like is blue and slush. Um, Icy doesn't sponsor the show, but I think uh, I think we can mention them. Uh, that that that's that's my favorite raspberry. So I've stalled long enough. You're probably already halfway done your can. I've there, can had tell. two sips already. <laughs> All right, here we go. White Claw Raspberry Hard Seltzer. So the first thing that hits me whenever I take a sip of any sort of seltzer, particularly hard seltzer, is the seltzery part. You know, the the carbonation and and the wateriness. And now I just have an aftertaste of uh, cough medicine. Which honestly. Like, I could probably drink this to be polite, like in, in a party or you know, if someone has me to, to their house. Uh, a thing that, that people apparently are going to start doing now, from what I hear. Getting together and hanging out might become a thing again. So I think I could deal with it, but I don't think it's the can I would choose out of the cooler. Why don't you tell everyone, because I think right now this has just been me trying to stall and then talk about what I didn't like about it. Why don't you tell everybody what you do like about it? Be be, be the the equal time to my no thank you.
0: I think it has a somewhat pleasant flavor, Uh, you know, very summery beverage. Not my favorite of the White Claws,
1: but I think still tasty. (laughs) What is your favorite of the White Claws?
0: It'd be the Black Cherry.
1: That's what I do. I like to mix the Black Cherry White Claw with a little uh, coconut rum. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting is a word. Uh, Generally, it's not measured in any sort of scientific way. So it's pop open the can, drink a little bit to make room in the can, and then top it off with the coconut rum. And um, yeah, interesting is a word. And that was What Are You Drinking? Brought to you this week by Old Time Baseball. Some say a waste of time. Others say an incredible waste of time. Shout out to Conan O'Brien. A favorite of both of ours. If if you if you've never seen the Conan O'Brien old time baseball skit, please go look it up. Conan did his last uh, late night show uh, late last week, and he'll be going into another venture with I believe HBO Max. That's correct. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that. But uh, th- that that sketch may be one of the uh, if if someone asks you to sum up what the original Late Night with Conan O'Brien was like in one, you know, one distilled thing. I would go with old-timey baseball.
0: That's 100% correct. And I've actually heard him talk about how that's the sketch that, you know, when his career's over, that's the one he wants to be remembered for. I think it just fits to his very Victorian sense of humor (laughs) where he, he loves to kind of go back into that old, Old speak and, you know, to, to go on to that. And I may have watched that sketch probably three to four dozen times over the <laughs> last couple of years alone. Just, you know, you know, thankfully for YouTube.
1: I, th- I think the, the thing everyone that remembers that so fondly remembers is when, when he's standing there and a plane goes overhead and he stays in this old character he's made up. He's like, what demonry is this? He points up at the plane, just, there's a bunch of people in, in like old clothes. And it looks like, you know, it's a civil war era baseball game going on. And then an airplane flies over because again, they're filming this in like 1996.
0: I think for me, I really started watching Conan when I was in, you know, late high school, college that probably got me through way too many late night papers. (laughs) Um, And then I think I'm still mad at Jay Leno for the Tonight Show debacle. That's, you know, if I can not bury the hatchet on the the Scott Roll thing, I think that's a hatchet that I haven't put away either. Still angry (laughs) about that. I I don't think the the Tonight Show hasn't meant the same thing to me ever since.
1: I, I used to watch Conan, like, in the early years of his show. Like, I was in middle school. And, you know, my mom would fall asleep. And I would still be awake, and I'd be like, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go to bed. And then Conan would come on. It would mostly be Friday nights I would see it, but the the, the sense of humor, it's, I don't want to call it absurdist, but that's kind of the best way to put it. Yeah, you know, I, I was always a big fan of Craig Ferguson's Late Night Show as well. I started watching that after Conan switched to the Tonight Show for that brief period, and that sort of humor, it's just perfect for. 1235 at night you know it's one in the morning if you're still up it, like that stuff kind of just hits the spot but between uh, old time baseball and the, the infamous Walker Texas Ranger lever where he would just randomly pull this lever and they would just show a scene from Walker Texas Ranger and Walker
0: said I have AIDS <laughs>
1: That's exactly it. Just he would be mortified by whatever random thing occurred. There was one where a kid is like up on a ladder and the dad's like, I'll catch you. Haley
0: Joel Osment, by the way, is that kid.
1: He He's the Walker said I have AIDS kid. Yes. Yeah, there's a kid uh, that is on a ladder and the dad, who I believe was the dad from the Wonder Years, was like, come on, I'll catch you. And the kid jumps down and the dad lets him hit the floor. And I believe Conan just stood up. Uh, in, the, in the famous Surrender Cobra stance, hands on head, just walks around behind his desk, just like absolutely mortified that that's the clip we saw. But between those, and I think it's uh, Paul Rudd never, ever actually bringing a clip of whatever movie he's in and instead showing a clip of Mac and me of a kid on, on a bicycle going down a hill. That is, uh, Those are the things we're going to remember in addition to some of the characters and, and, and personalities uh, so shout out to Conan. And we, we did want to connect it to sports with the, with the old-time baseball bit. But speaking of baseball. Did they have spider tack
0: in 1864 or old-time <laughs>
1: baseball? <laughs> they had a hard tack, which is what they would eat. I remember from, I want to say elementary school, doing a Civil War lesson, somebody actually made hard tack, which was flour and water. And it was this awful, awful cookie biscuit bread thing that's i think as close as they got to spider tack back in the 1860s and 70s but we wanted to talk about the the sticky stuff as they've been calling it the the mlb situation with with banning pitchers from using foreign substances or rather enforcing the rules already on the books against foreign substances i'm gonna reserve comment i'm gonna put it to you first What's your take on the whole situation?
0: First off, this, these rules have been, like you said, on the books forever. I don't know what took so long. And reporters have been talking about this. Uh, Buster Olney, I believe it was er- you know Sarahs from the Athletic. You know, reporters have been writing about this for for years. You know, I used to listen to Buster Olney's Baseball Tonight podcast before our own podcast, of course. And he talked about the situation, you know, routinely, and nothing came of it. And I'm I'm not shocked. I'm not offended if a pitcher, and I'm sure we'll get to this soon, a pitcher from another team, you know, had a foreign substance that you know that he was using to get more spin on the ball or a better grip, you know, whatever it is. Because I'm pretty sure there have been Phillies pitchers and. You know, including some that, you know, I've seen where, I, I, you know, I can spot the substance. And, you know, this is a situation where every team has some measure of guilt. It's just, to me, more annoying. The, The true guilty party for this is Major League Baseball because it took them so long to put their foot down. And it's embarrassing because now this scandal is, and it is a scandal at this point, is overtaking the game you have Fernando Tatis Jr. Juan Soto Ronald Acuna and recently Wander Franco these are all Griffey Jr. type talents coming up and you know last week with with Franco Tatis Jr. had three home runs in a game last week and what's everyone talking about a pitcher dropped his pants a little bit because of, he was getting inspected while he's coming off the mound Stuff like that. It's it's embarrassing and honestly, it's it's Rob Man for baseball, where you have this situation that's obvious to everybody and it takes forever. And you know, what does MLB do last week? You know, they have this cryptocurrency thing. I swore I thought it was a Field of Dreams Iowa game, the thing, the way they announced it. And it's cryptocurrency, which is by the way, also not doing so well right now. So way to go baseball.
1: I know why it's happening now. Just look at the batting averages and the strikeout rate from the start of the season through last week. That's why it's happening now, because you know the, the, the offense has disappeared from the game. Baseball has become a three-true-outcomes sport this year. Home runs, walks, or strikeouts. That's it. From what I saw, obviously, it's a small sample size. Seems like the walk rate has gone up, the strikeout rate has gone down. Over the last week, and what has happened over the last week, guys know they're going to get checked and eventually ejected for using substances. I agree that doing this in the middle of the season is a really bad look, but that's really all it is it's bad optics. And it's bad optics for a sport and a league that excels in bad optics. You just talked about all these young players. Uh, Oddly enough, none of them play for the Phillies, and two of them play in the Phillies division, which is just great to hear. But you've got these young players and and all this young talent, and the Cubs threw a combined no-hitter last week. I didn't know about it for two days, John. It happened in Los Angeles, so it didn't end until like 1 in the morning our time but we just talked about it a few minutes ago. I'm always up at one in the morning. I should have known about that. I didn't hear about it because the only baseball stories I'm hearing other than the Phillies melting down in literally every game against the Mets, except for the last one, it is about the sticky stuff. It's about rosin. It's about pitcher inspections. And it's, it's heartening to me to know that (laughs) that first night They were looking at spin rates and how just about every pitcher in baseball, their spin rate was lower in their start than it had been this year, except Zach Wheeler's somehow was higher. So whatever he's using, if anything, somehow he's able to get away with it, or maybe he's not using. And in his first start without the sticky stuff, like three pitches into it, Aaron Nola's got nobody out in second and third, and then strikes out the next 10 guys. So, That kind of makes me feel okay. Hey, these guys are doing well, even without foreign substances. And Zach Wheeler had another good start yesterday. But other than that, it's like, I mean, look, I'm obviously a big soccer guy. And baseball, my first love as a child. I've been caught up in the Euros. I'm always paying a lot of attention, too much attention to all these big tournaments. Other than the, 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 the substance stuff, like I, I have no idea what's going on in baseball the last couple of weeks other than the Phillies and the substances because they've, they've kind of, I don't want to say lost my interest like, like you're talking about, they've, they've kind of pushed me away. It's like, what is going on in your, in your little corner of the sports world? Like You have the floor. The NBA finals are going to be over in a couple of weeks. And then NFL training camps are going to come soon enough. Right now is, is when you normally have the floor. And and this is how this is how you're using it. And it's ultimately I think it's bad optics. I think I, I will say Tyler Glasno saying that he got hurt because of the the, the enforcement of the rules, miss me with that. Because you were willingly exactly. choosing to violate the rules just because everyone else was doing it, and you believe you got hurt because you were squeezing the ball harder. I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't have time for that.
0: Right. Any pitcher complaining about this? you can't complain about how you're not allowed to cheat anymore. And you could call it gamesmanship, whatever, you know, everybody's doing it, you know, to some degree, but you know, you can't complain that I'm not allowed to cheat anymore. So therefore, you know, that, that you know, that's why I'm, you know, suffering, you know, whether it's in terms of injury or performance, it's, it. Does, I mean, you can, but it doesn't win you any favors with the fans.
1: Everyone was blood doping in cycling for a long time. They all got their Tour de France taken away from them. Not by a, a fan holding a sign and knocking over half the peloton, but, but by the organization. <laughs> um,
0: I didn't think that was real, by the way, when I first saw that video clip.
1: <laughs> you know what? I felt like it was so stupid it had to be real. Like, what a dumb thing. Of course, that's what would happen in 2021. Maybe not having the fans was a good idea, (laughs) you know? But just because everybody was doing it doesn't mean that it's something that's allowed. Now, I hear people saying, well, baseball should find a substance because hitters want pitchers to be able to grip the ball. That's true. They don't want to have to duck out of the way of a 98-mile-an-hour fastball coming at their dome that they normally have two-tenths of a second to react to. I get that. I I cannot relate to it. (laughs) but I understand it at the same time, the hitters don't want things that are going to help them, you know, throw a wipeout slider that is going to humiliate the batter at the plate because that affects their livelihood. You know, pitchers have done this to, to give themselves an advantage and earn themselves hundreds of millions of dollars, Garrett Cole. But you know, now, now it's going against the hitters and there are people saying that this stuff is happening now because Major League Baseball is trying to pit the sides against one another before the CBA negotiations. That's just nefarious enough to be possible. Like, it wouldn't surprise me that that's part of it. But it's just, it's it's not good for anybody. Nobody looks good here. Not the pitchers who have been cheating. Not Major League Baseball. And not anyone... Like us, who has to spend time thinking about it. Nobody wins here.
0: Speaking of situations where nobody looks good, last week, the Phillies game. Joe Girardi and Max Scherzer.
1: <laughs> the very you, first Phillies game after the, the enforcement began in earnest.
0: What did you think of that? Because we were actually recording <sighs> our last episode yeah. as that was going on and I had my TV on mute and I just started kind of doing that Lancing yeah, over, like, paying I, I attention noticed, to you, but also, right. you
1: know. <laughs> I noticed, but I didn't think anything of it, because you do that two or three times an episode while I'm talking. You just kind of drift off. But I, I, I didn't see it live, because, like you just said, we were Usually it's we were because recording. my cat's
0: doing something that we have to stop <laughs> recording.
1: Um, so I didn't see it live. I saw it after the fact, and I thought Max Scherzer looked like an absolute mm-hmm. idiot. Like, dude, you're a Hall of Fame pitcher. There's no need to throw a temper tantrum because the opposing manager did what everyone is going to start doing. And of course, I don't think many, if any managers have done it since, but like, I don't know, act like a grown up. This is, this is part of the game now. So out on the field, he, he does the whole thing. Like, you want me to take my pants off? And he's staring into the dugout and they're barking at Girardi, got Girardi tossed. Cause he was basically like, you know, come over here and say it. It's what it sort of looked like. But then after the game, he specifically mentioned, I, I believe he mentioned Rob Manfred by name, but he said this is what, you know, he, he, he's, he's wrought now. So it seems like he blamed the league, not Joe Girardi. But in the moment, he acted like a child. It was like, no, you can't buy that cereal. You can't have that candy. And then the kid just stops and sits down in the middle of the aisle, starts throwing their toys and crying. That's what Max Scherzer did to me. Like, come on, man be better than that. If you're really the Hall of Fame pitcher that you are, that everyone knows you are, just say, "All right, yeah, here's my hat," and then strike everybody out, which I believe is basically what he did after that. But you don't have to go through all the histrionics. Like, come on.
0: See, for me, I thought Joe Girardi's the one that actually looked bad. And if and honestly, I think he was just trying to incite Max Scherzer to either one get him off his game or to get Max Scherzer ejected from the game. I that not for substances, but to just try to incite something. I, I think we're at the point where he's starting to act very desperately because his team is just falling.
1: I just don't think that he's naive enough to think that a guy like Max Scherzer, there are guys who would be rattled by that, who would get frustrated and, and would struggle. He's probably got a couple of them in his dugout.
0: But I was about to say most of his roster.
1: <laughs> but Max Scherzer's not one of those guys. And he even says much after he's like, no, I'm not trying to. Like He's a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's not going to be affected by that. So I, I I don't think that that's what Girardi was doing. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that it's like, look, this is my first game under these rules and look, Oh yeah, I guess he's going to his hair. Hey, do, do we think that's, you know, that, do we think that's suspicious? The umpires apparently after the game or maybe even during the game agreed. And they said, yeah, we noticed that too. Well then why didn't you check him? You know, why did you make Girardi do it? But they, they said, yeah, no, we noticed he was touching his hair a lot more. Um, Mike Rizzo is the big loser here. Comes out, he calls Girardi a con artist. Like, come on. I know I just said that Scherzer sort of acted more like an adult. Mike Rizzo, you're the general manager of a Major League Baseball team. You put together a World Series winning team, and most of it is still intact. What are you doing?
0: Well, it That seems like a very Nationals thing to do. I, I don't like to stereotype <laughs> organizations too much, but... It seems like they've spent very most Washington, of the last decade. DC yeah, sort of thing. exactly. Yeah. They, they, it seems like they've spent most of the last decade just sort of picking a fight with the Phillies, even you know when they're on the bottom of the division or you know whether they're at the top.
1: Blocking a, Philly fans from buying tickets.
0: I I don't think I'm ever going to get over that, especially <laughs> when they were the only ones getting tickets to your stadium.
1: Yeah, we but digress. now they got a World Series, and they did it in the year after we signed their their. Uh, face of their franchise guy. So they've kind of got the upper hand, but I don't know. I, I feel like Mike Rizzo should have handled himself better. And in the end, he's the one that looked the worst. But of course we're a little biased. John, you got any more on the sticky stuff situation?
0: You know, that's it for now, but stay tuned because this seems to be, you know, the most developing, you know, story in baseball, essentially.
1: Yeah, this isn't going away. Something's going to happen at some point And it's going to become part of the hashtag discourse on the sport. So we'll uh, we'll surely talk about this again. But for now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, our Twitter feud of the week is back. And John said he had something that he wanted to talk to me about. And then he stopped himself short and he said, let's save it for the pod. So I have no idea what's coming, but we'll talk about it after the break here on the Philly Frenetics podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're back with the Philly frenetics. I said last week when we started our new Twitter feud of the week segment that it might not be a weekly segment, but John, you have a couple of Twitter feuds of the week staying in character. When I say, hey, we can find a Twitter feud of the week, you had to come out with two. So one of them, I think, got more national attention. And you have it written here as Jay Williams versus himself.
0: Well, I think uh, anyone who uses Twitter is probably not unfamiliar with the fact that Twitter feuds don't necessarily go away. So there's a chance this <laughs> no, might no, be... No, they go
1: away as soon as someone deletes the first tweet.
0: That's true. But that
1: is also an omission of defeat.
0: Or you could say, as uh, ESPN's Jay Williams did, that uh, your account was hacked into. <laughs> which might be uh, honestly the way to go
1: because no one... Can dispute that. Except you know, nobody ever believes. It. Well, before we go any further, explain what happened. Because I missed the original tweet. I only saw the oh my account was hacked tweet.
0: So the Boston Celtics announced last week that Ime Udoka is their new head coach.
1: Former Sixers assistant Ime Udoka.
0: And with another Philly connection, apparently his girlfriend played uh Jazzy Jeff's girlfriend on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Well, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, the plot thickens, apparently. Uh, so Jay Williams tweeted that he was, I believe he was the first African-American head coach of the Boston Celtics.
1: Which he decidedly was not.
0: There are several notable coaches of the Boston Celtics, you know, one of whom is Bill Russell, who is only <laughs> if, one of the five greatest players. Maybe I would say maybe of one of
1: the three greatest players in NBA history. I guess and it then, depends on what you think of LeBron James. All right, let's not go down that road.
0: That that is we'll, we'll do that. The <laughs> prototypical statement for another pod, uh, and then also the Sixers own Doc Rivers, <laughs> who has coached the team within this millennium. So I I think it's it's safe to say that you know Jay Williams. You know, jump the gun a little bit on that. No one's buying it. That's probably not the best excuse.
1: Yeah, yeah. The 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 whole uh, my account got hacked thing. I don't think anybody's buying it at all. Like at all. Like This is just <laughs> this is just a stupid tweet that he, he didn't put any thought into. Somebody probably told him that that was true and he tweeted it. Like that is the best case scenario. And even then, he looks incredibly stupid.
0: So as one of the operators of of our social media accounts is, is that what you're going to say when there's a bad take that just fires back you'll just
1: No, John, I think I think bad takes are kind of our bread and butter. Like it should be more shocking when one of us is like right about something than than when one of us says something that ends up being proven wrong in like 15 minutes time.
0: Speaking of bad We ideas. W- we, w-
1: well, we won't get historical facts Like that, wrong. I can tell you that we will not fire off tweet. I say we, I mean I will not fire off tweets that carelessly. But so Jay Williams versus himself. I think the winner was I don't know, but Jay Williams was the loser. You do have another one, which is kind of more in tune with. Obviously, last week we had Vernon Maxwell versus the Jazz. Who's your uh, Who's your second one this week?
0: Well, this is something that I don't think anyone saw coming. The Gin Blossoms versus a Denver Nuggets fan who... You
1: know, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking I haven't, I haven't thought about the Gin Blossoms in years. Like, even if I hear one of their songs, I don't actually think about the Gin Blossoms.
0: <laughs> so, I think that almost validates the fans' point, but they were the halftime act for Phoenix Suns game. And, you know... Some Nuggets fan took upon himself to just start going at the Jim Blossom's account. He probably didn't think that the Jim Blossom's account was going to fire back. And
1: that is the thing about most of these Twitter feuds. Generally, it starts with somebody trying to make a joke, thinking they're funny, and never expecting to get a reply. And instead, the Jim Blossom's come off the top rope and put the guy to bed.
0: And, and some of the tweets, I'll just, I'll clean it up a little bit, you know, family pod. It's The the tweet that started it was, leave to the Suns to book the third bleep band ever. Jim Blossom has replied, who did your Nuggets book for tonight?
1: Eh, Not bad, not bad. I think the important thing to mention is that the Suns eliminated the Nuggets from the playoffs in the previous round.
0: Right. And to, to kind of go along with that, the the tweet that sort of closed the, the exchange out, you can, you know, it's still up there. So you can still read everything is um, this, this guy started going after record sales, which aren't really even a thing right now. <laughs> Unless you're Taylor Swift, you know, or somebody like that, you know, nobody's counting, you know, platinum records anymore. And he starts going after that. And then they go, the royalty checks keep catching bud. Hashtag Jim Blossoms and four. You know, with the photo of the Suns fan with the infamous four fingers. Right. So, you know, I I have to say that
1: Jim Blossom's Twitter intern, congratulations. (laughs) No, I'm going to say that that is actually one of the members of the Jim Blossoms. I I don't think they've got room on the staff for a social media intern. I don't really think they they need one as a, a 90s band here in 2021. But they won that feud with the whole... Uh, we're in the Western Conference Finals, where are the Nuggets sort of thing that, that I think I saw in there too, right? Just a specific comment about the Nuggets not making the Western Conference Finals while they were.
0: I, I believe that was uh, noted a couple of times.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Jim Blossoms win this one in my mind. I think you agree.
0: I, I think it, it's hands down.
1: Internet winner of the week. If anybody finds a fun Twitter feud, preferably related to sports, but... I don't know if it's related to Philadelphia or anything really send it our way at Philly Frenetics, P H I L L Y F R E N E T I C S. If you followed our old account, you should now be following this one. I think it happened automatically, but send us your Twitter feud of the week. We'll take a look. We'll decide who wins generally by the time a Twitter feud becomes viral enough for everyone to see it's very clear who wins, but we'd love to talk about it on the show and present it to our listeners. So send your Twitter feuds of the week. Don't leave it to us to find one because we're going to start getting deep in the weeds before you know it. Now, John, we've got one thing left on the outline for this week and it says John's mystery topic. The floor is yours. What do you got?
0: So I had one, I'll call this a crazy idea. That's not so crazy. That I heard, which means it's
1: it's absolutely insane, <laughs> possibly.
0: And then, so I wanted to follow you up just to give you a hint. It's baseball related, shocker. Uh, so I wanted to ask you th- this question. Should I put my drink then, down
1: before before you ask? Or you could refuel. Either one. I mean, like, am I going to spit it out? Hold on. All right, go, ask your question.
0: Uh, and then I wanted to do a, a follow up, couple of you know Philly's questions, especially as we approach the trade deadline. I wanted to see if we could get some takes on the record. Oh boy. So this this very much intrigued me. It's something I hadn't thought of before, but uh, I'm sure you're f- familiar with Jack McCaffrey from the, the Delco Times. Mm-hmm. So he wrote last week that, you know, obviously he's not alone in thinking that Joe Girardi's on the hot seat. Philly's next manager, Jimmy Rollins. No. That is a name that I hadn't thought of. No. So go let me let me know. No, no. Give it to me. <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, my my reason on o- on that was because you're going to have to fire him someday. It, it's it's the sure. legend Yeah. That anytime you hire a legend, you're probably going to have to fire a legend at some point. And that's the one thing I didn't want to see uh, to see happen.
1: I am bothered by the trend in coaching hires lately. In baseball and in basketball, I think you're seeing it, especially at the college level where you're hiring people with with no actual relevant experience other than having played the game. Now, I get that having played the game your entire life gives you insight into how to coach a team. You know, we look at Steve Kerr a number of years ago was a GM, then he was a broadcaster, then he was a coach, and he's won three rings. Steve Nash took the Brooklyn Nets to within Kevin Durant toenail of the Eastern Conference Finals. Those guys came into special situations, all right? Steve Kerr had the nucleus of a world championship team to take over. Steve Nash has some say three, I would argue two, plus Kyrie Irving, superstars to work with right out of the chute. All right. They can kind of learn on the job. You can learn on the job either with a complete rebuild or with an elite caliber team. I feel like you should probably have a little bit of experience actually managing a team before you manage a major league team. Other decision makers disagree with me, but I someday would I like to see Jimmy Rollins or, or Chase Utley managing the Phillies? Sure, great. If that's what they want to do, why not? But I'd like to know that they can do all of the other things that come with managing a team. It's not just making a lineup card. You know, you're not really coaching at that point. You're man managing. That's what everyone says. So well then again, Jimmy Rollins, if he took over the Phillies, would would have to have to coach them on how to, you know, play the infield and all. But I, I just feel like the the ins and outs of it and and the daily grind of of trying to manage a pitching staff and, and and all that like there's a reason you see catchers becoming managers more than any other position it's because of their experience with pitchers right so i feel like you kind of have to I'm use the term cut your teeth but your your first managerial job should not be in the majors and if it is like I said, it's got to be with a team at the very bottom or a team near the very top. And the Phillies are neither of those. And we, we certainly don't want them to be the former. And they've got some work to do to be the latter. So, no, I think that's a horrible idea. Unless Joe Girardi is the manager of the Phillies for the next five to ten years, I think that's a horrible idea. And I'm almost offended that you brought it to me on this show.
0: Now, I, I wasn't thinking offense, was going to be the reaction. I kind of
1: that, got that, more offended as I continued talking about it. Like you kind but, of ginned up a little hanger. I don't know what sort of reaction you were looking for. I'm assuming you thought that I that think it was a bad idea.
0: Well, I, it's just the kind of thing. It never occurred to me. I'm sure Jimmy Rollins could be a good manager if you wanted to be. But to to your point, the Phillies actually had a situation like this a long time ago where Mike Schmidt wanted to be the manager and they said – well, hold on. You know, well you have to get some coaching experience first so they put him as like a low A or a high. He was the manager a manager of
1: the Clearwater Threshers, yeah. For right. one and, season.
0: Right. And I don't even think he finished out the season. And I could be wrong, but my my memory is that he just walked away from it. It wasn't for him, but I feel like as a coach you have to be prepared to to grind it out. I mean, look at Ryan Sandberg who, you know, was a Hall of Famer and as soon as he finally he was supposed to be this the next great manager and then you know as soon as he kind of got stuck with a really bad admittedly really bad situation on the field it just it just wasn't for him so I think as a coach you have to be prepared to grind out all those moments such as for my next question probably the most unwatchable thing I've ever seen I can't describe this other than Travis Jankowski Getting picked off second base. It happened a few weeks ago, you know, <laughs> when our, our podcast was on hiatus. I just want to say I was installing an air conditioning unit, and it was late on a Friday night, but our, our old air conditioning unit, you know, failed after probably seven or eight years. So I had to put in a new one. And it never as
1: fails I'm, like right at the beginning of the season or right at the end either. It's always right as it's starting to get hot.
0: Right. So this is Friday night. Our apartment is just toward. on I mean, the it's, it's just very hot. So I'm putting it. It's exactly what you want to do at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. I'm carrying <laughs> this air conditioning unit across the living room about to put it in. And I see out of the corner of my eye, the catcher just running towards second base. You've scored countless baseball games. Have you ever seen a play like that where
1: you're picked off? Was it second unassisted? Like that's just... I, I don't think I've ever seen a catcher tag a player out at second base. I will say that, you know, You've just suggested a guy who was notoriously benched for not hustling take over a team that routinely makes mental mistakes. Like, that's the idea that you and Jack McCaffrey have just pitched in having Jimmy Rollins.
0: I didn't endorse the idea. I was just curious. What I you think
1: thought. you tacitly endorsed it, John. Now, after everything I said, I do want to make it clear. If the Phillies want to offer me the managerial job, then yes, I believe that you could be qualified without managerial experience. I have managed many a fantasy baseball team with elite caliber players. Trust me, I can do it, but everybody else needs managerial experience first. I wanted to make that abundantly clear in case anybody was listening who may be looking for a manager.
0: So last thing, the trade deadline's coming up.
1: I, know, I noticed that you didn't want to comment on my abilities to manage a baseball team. I'm not going to let that go. I'm not well, going mean, to pretend that I'm not a little hurt.
0: The answer to who won our last fantasy baseball championship is anyway, not Anyway, you, you, you were saying, you were
1: saying, you wanted to move on?
0: The trade deadline's <laughs> coming up. I think we could both agree the Phillies aren't buyers this year. Probably the furthest thing from it. So I don't know. You don't bring Dave Dombrowski in to sell. Given how they're going, there's no way they can be legit buyers unless they did something like – try to do some kind of addition through subtraction, which, you know, get a good defensive third baseman. And although Alec Baum is finally hitting just to get, not to trade Alec Baum, but just to, you know, maybe send him down to have him work on some things or something like that. to maybe where you could you know, tweak what's on the field a little bit, but looking ahead to this deadline and, you know, we're a month away. So I just wanted to get some takes on the record. I want to ask you yes or no. Give me a little answer. Would you trade these players away? You want
1: one one word for each guy?
0: Yes or no, and then just give me a little something to, to explain.
1: All right, rapid fire. Here we go. All right.
0: Zach Wheeler.
1: No. That's stupid.
0: Reese Hoskins.
1: No, because I think the defensive issues can be ironed out. But I also think they're going to keep down his arbitration and contract situation. And he's just good and productive enough a hitter that if you can get him at a discounted rate, you know, he's the kind of guy that you're going to want to have around.
0: That's the fantasy GM. I'm not I'm not
1: as concerned about the defensive issues. I I know I talked about it, but I'm not as concerned about, you know, defensive struggles as I am. I've seen bad first base, and he's not a bad first baseman. He's not a Good one defensively, but it could be a lot worse. Plus, again, like I've said many times, I don't think it's going to be an issue come next year. Or the year after, we're going to have the designated hitter, and Reese Hoskins and JT Romuto are going to be your designated hitters. So, no, I would not trade Reese Hoskins just yet.
0: Next guy, Gene Segura.
1: To the first taker. No, no offense to Gene. He's got a bigger contract. If somebody wants to take that from you your young guys have shown that they can, I don't want to say that they can take his place because when he's going well, he, he he's he been their best hitter this year, but he's starting to get hurt now. Um, I, I think between Nick Maton and, and, uh, and Luke Williams and, you know, if TD Gregorius is able to come back and then come next year, Bryson Stott, Hey, maybe Scott Kingery gets a chance to learn how to play second base again. um, I, 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 would, I would thank him for his service and accept a deal for Gene Segura. Sure. Are you going to answer any of these or are these all just for me? I,
0: I, have, I have takes at the I, end. I, but I, I just wanted to say, I wrap this fire. this
1: like a, a future, future John website column.
0: I, 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 I haven't I, I have an answered, but I was going to say this at the end. So okay. next up, Andrew McCutcheon, who's in the last year of his deal.
1: I don't think you're going to get anything for him. And I think what he can bring to your team with his bat and I mean, he robbed a home run the other day. Again, he's not actively bad defensively. He's just getting older, which is a difficult thing to say about a guy who's younger than we are. But um, I think he brings more to your team than just, you know, whatever his stat line is. I don't think you're going to get anything of value for him in the last year of his deal. So no,
0: double Herrera.
1: I'm glad you didn't ask me this question like a month and a half ago.
0: The answer would be entirely different, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, he's kind of calmed down the whole center field issue. You know? I mean, he, granted, every single time he hits the ball, he acts like it's leaving the ballpark. You know, he's the only guy that bat flips on, on a grounder back to the mound. But just the way his swing is, it always ends up looking like he's watching a home run. I mean, he's had cold stretches, he's had hot stretches, but he's kind of settled the center field situation. So um, depending what you're getting back, I mean, you're just going to create a hole out there. And uh, can I say, can can I shake the magic eight ball and say ask again later on that one? I think that depends entirely upon the return that you would get for him.
0: I give you. I'll give you one. You only deferred on on one. So, <laughs> last one, Hector Neris.
1: That's tough because I think the thing with Hector Neris is that you know what kind of outing he's going to have after like three pitches. You know, there are times where he'll go out there, fastball, splitter, splitter, one down, and you're like, okay, he's got it tonight. Then there's situations where he throws three pitches and it's 2-0 and there's a guy on second. You're like, "Oh, oh, we're in trouble here." Obviously, you don't want that sort of inconsistency, but he's exactly the kind of arm that a contending team acquires on on the cheap for a, a like a 20th through 30th best prospect in their organization for a stretch run. So if you think you're contending, no, probably not. If you're you're making cuts and, and sending people out, then if someone's interested, then yeah, you got you to gotta listen. If you can get something good, great. I, I think that one, and I, I don't want to, this is different than the, than the Herrera situation. I think that depends entirely upon what you're trying to do as the general manager slash president of baseball operations.
0: So if it were me, and this is where we get the, you know, John take on the record <laughs> part of it, I would actually trade all of them, including Zach Wheeler. Because I think we're at the point now with this roster where you know, we've had a couple of years. You know, last year was a shortened year, where we know what the problem is. This team isn't very good, but you have Bryce Harper, you have JT, kind of stuck. You know, you, you can't do any you know, a complete house cleaning. But it's clear that you have forty-man roster issues. It's clear that you have no depth at the upper levels of the minor leagues. So why not? So you know, Zach Wheeler, you know, he's on, you know, the backside of, th- or not the backside of 30, but he's over 30. And, you know, I, is he, you know, he's your best player right now. Honestly, he's the ace of your staff, not Aaron Nola. It is Zach Wheeler. You can't debate that. You might.
1: No, you no. Shouldn't. Right now, no. He is far and away the best pitcher for the Phillies this year. You
0: know, Reese Hoskins. You know, I agree with you about the DH, but the problem with the Phillies is, as fans, we keep looking anybody with an issue, whether it's Bryce Harper's health, you know, giving JT, you know, a day off from behind the plate, Reese Hoskins defensively. Anytime we look at him, any time we look at one of those situations, we say, "Oh, there's there's DH coming." There's only one designated hitter spot, although I have seen suggestions that there might be two in the future. But
1: Excuse that's, me? I think we
0: I think that's where baseball might be. be Softball at that point, where you start getting into that, and then you know Gene Segura, like he, he's he's not going to be around when this team is finally relevant. Andrew McCutcheon, same story. A I, don't, doable, like, I th- don't
1: like the way you said "finally relevant," John.
0: Like I think it's there are only a few games wide. out
1: of first place, and five teams make the playoffs. Like I'm sorry, do you think the Mets are that good? I mean, I've seen the Phillies. I mean, I, I, I would concede that the wild card's probably out of reach this year because one of them for the next couple of years is going to be whoever doesn't win the NL West, right? And right now, it's it, they're both coming out of the NL West, it looks like. But you, you really think the Mets are that good? They've got Jacob deGrom, but do you really think that they're unbeatable?
0: You well, don't think the Phillies this-
1: could heat up? It's hitting season now, John. Is it?
0: because i've seen the lineup and it's not really producing this year. Well, there Bryce is Harper, no hidden
1: season in baseball across the board.
0: <laughs> that's true. That is true.
1: Go back to that sticky stuff conversation.
0: But when i look at the Mets, they've been, you know, pretty banged up and yet they've still, you know, managed to have this I think this is the this is the series that put the nail in the coffin for the Phillies. They had that outstanding starting pitching and the best they could come up with was two games out of four. They should have won all four games, even the game against DeGrom. I think you're at the point now where the only way – they don't have Mookie bets, You know, Zach Wheeler's power of the closest thing. They don't have a Mookie bet situation where they can trade him. So the best way to – the best thing to do is do what the Red Sox did and just trade away the players that you don't envision being here or that are, you know, aren't going to be impact players. Trade them away. Get some depth in. Get a couple of prospects in. Mostly high minors, guys. I wouldn't trade any of these players for low minors prospects because you need to win soon and you have a lot of holes to fill on your roster. So if you could trade any of those guys for someone, double-A, triple-A, that you think could be an impact player in the big leagues, do it. Don't even think about it.
1: We're going to have to strongly disagree on, on Zach Wheeler for sure because if you trade Zach Wheeler away, you're saying that you don't think you're going to compete in the next three, four years. But you just said you don't want to wait that long.
0: What the, what trading away Wheeler really would do, would, in addition to prospects, depending on how much payroll you pick up, or um, decide to pick up, I should say, on, on that end with the, with the contract, and we've seen that before, where, you know, a la Cole Hamels, where you could spend an extra few million dollars in, in payroll to get more prospects back, if you're doing that, that just gives you a chance that you, you get payroll flexibility to sign another guy who wouldn't be as good as Wheeler. But, you know, let's be honest. The problem isn't the number two spot in the rotation. They have a problem with the four spot in the rotation, five spot in the rotation. The Tell entire me who doesn't.
1: End. Tell me who doesn't. Actually, I was
0: about to say the Dodgers, but apparently they're looking for <laughs> pitching depth. So. Here's the
1: thing. You, you said that you thought that the Mets series that just wrapped up was – that closed the book on the year for you. First of all, what a really depressing way to feel <laughs> two weeks before the All-Star game. But honestly, that, that doubleheader, right? You had Aaron Nola throwing in one of the games. You had Matt Moore throwing in one of the games. If I told you at the start of the day you were going to go one and one, you'd be like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Now, it's just the way they lost the first game and the way they barely came back to win the second game that puts a sour taste in your mouth. And yeah, they blew the game on, on Saturday, but I think the starting pitching performances, like yeah, when you get those performances, you have to turn them into something. I think the starting pitching performances bodes well moving forward because these are these guys' first starts after the Sticky Stuff ban. I alluded to it before. And Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler... Zach Eflin, they, those guys pitch well. Who's to say they won't keep that up, you know? But and granted, I'm bad. falling into that fan fallacy of, of the, the recency bias. Like, oh, you know, Zach Wheeler's had two great starts. Everything's great. Well, the start before that, he went three innings, you know? Aaron Nola was in a funk. Again, while our podcast was off the air, Aaron Nola struggled. We came back, he tied a major league record, and drove in a run. I'm not saying but I'm just saying. So, so I admit that, that the recency bias and, and that whole, you know, I want them to do well, but I mean, everybody's looking for pitching. You know, the reason, like you would think you would, you would get pitching from bad teams to fill your bullpen, but the reason those teams are bad is because they don't have good bullpens, you know? If they had good bullpens, they'd have better records because nobody is hitting, right? So it, it, it's just one of these things where I don't think you can fold on a season in June when you're only a few games back. Yeah, you blew an opportunity this weekend, but I, I don't know. When
0: I watch this team, and I, I know we talked about Freddie Galbraith or Angelton Simmons in the, in the off season, but that something like that speaks to exactly the problem with this team is you need a couple of guys who could catch the ball. They can't catch the ball. They're not particularly, you know, they're not rangy. They can't hit, they can't catch to what's hit right at them. They are a really bad base running team. They're not doing, you know, a heck of a lot to, you know, produce runs. You know, I, I'm not even talking small ball. It just, it just seems like they're very, I mean, they're very much the three outcome team. I don't think, I think when fans criticize the Phillies, I think they're looking at too much of just watching the Phillies. They're very much a modern baseball team. They're they're not – granted, there's things that they do really terribly, like I just mentioned with base running and fielding. But that is an industry-wide problem. But this team is so bad that I I don't see any way they could possibly dig themselves out of a hole. You know, again, unless they do something like I mentioned earlier where they, you know, stabilize third base or, you know, one of the other positions. But I I just do not see – this 40-man roster producing a playoff spot for a couple of years to come because at this point it's just insanity where you're just repeating itself.
1: I think it was Tim Kirchen wrote for ESPN.com fairly recently an article about the awful base running all across baseball and, and some guys lamenting, you know, back in my day we used to um, – I, I think it was Tim Kirchen. The last thing I'll say on this, it just kind of goes to to what you were just saying – it, 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 the team was put together kind of like the Brooklyn Nets. You know, yeah, we're not going to do so well defensively, but we're designed to try to outscore you. It's just the offense isn't doing that. Right? But, like you said, talking about an industry-wide problem, no offense is doing that. They build a team that has to beat you eight to six every night in a year where nobody's getting to eight. Or... Six. Every game is 10 to, to 9, you know, like where the teams are hitting literally sub 240 for the season before last week. Like
0: right. I, I know last week that it was a 12 to 11 game that they that they <laughs> played, which was very much anom- yeah, an anomaly. Thir- 13 I to think, 12, yeah. I, I was watching that thinking like, maybe they should bring back the sticky stuff because <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch this
1: either. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think it, it, like you said, it's, it comes down to roster construction. They were, They were designed not with, you know, defensive prowess in mind, but with the thought that, well, with the order they can put out there, they can score six, seven, eight runs and make up for Alec Boehm going to field a ball and it just goes past him, you know? Or a guy making a base running blunder or throwing to the wrong base because, you know, we'll just outslug you. They're just not doing it, you know? So as as bad as the pitching issues have been, I I feel like they were designed to overcome that and they're just not doing it.
0: Right. And, you know, especially with Bryce Harper being out as often as he has, like, that's the guy. If, I I don't blame him. He's, he you know, he was, you know, playing like an MVP and then he, you know, was hit in the face. And, then, you know, it seems like ever since then, even though, you know, he bounced back, you know, pretty quickly. Well, yeah, he was ever just heating up then, with the home runs issues. recently.
1: Yeah. He's been hitting some more home runs, but other than the back issue, and like people are going to start trying to tag him with the, the injury prone tag other than the back situation, which who among us doesn't deal with a bad back. Um, They've all been kind of fluky things like, Oh, you get hit with a pitch or you get hit with a pitch or gets hit with another pitch. So those are the kind of things where, you know, we see similar to Joel Embiid, the things that have kept him out in recent years are not the foot surgery. They're, you know, getting your face busted, or you know, your your hand broken, that sort of thing. Right. It, it's
0: it's sort of in the stupid wordplay things. It's like, it's not injury prone, but it just gets hurt a lot. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's that 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 kind of thing. And with Bryce Harper, or actually with Joel Embiid, I'm sorry. The I you know I heard somebody th- this is why I should probably listen to sports talk radio a little less. <laughs> Someone call up and suggest that he was playing too hard and that he you know he needs to stop playing hard in the NBA playoffs. So when you start getting to to that level of takes, I, I feel like you're just starting to lose perspective on well, what is it you want these guys to do. Like Bryce Harper can't magically get out of the way of, of pitches. Like he he tries to play through it. He he tried to, you know, get into like, again, he got hit in the face by a pitch and he didn't even go on the I.L. Like that, that is how tough these guys, this isn't Aaron Rowan getting, you know, running into the wall and then being out for a little while. This is Bryce Hart. And I say that as a shout out, you know, Jen in Indiana, one of our loyal listeners who will probably hear this in about three or four weeks.
1: <laughs> when we get to the point where where fans are complaining that Guys are are making too much effort. I think that's about as good a time as any to wrap it up. You think? I think so. All right. Well, you can catch us on our website, phillyfrenetics.com. Download and subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher. You name it, we're on it. And if we're not on it, tell us, we'll get on it. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Philly Frenetics. Everybody make sure you have a happy, safe and healthy 4th of July. John, do you got any big 4th of July plans? I think I'm going to my first barbecue this weekend. I'm I'm excited, but also afraid I may have forgotten what it's like to to be in in a, a situation with other people.
0: I, I think I, I may have one on the uh, on the schedule as well, but it it is one of the situations where the the larger the social group is, the harder I am having to like, wait a minute, what's small talk again? <laughs> so, you, know, you know this will probably be the first weekend where everybody really is able to do the, you know, with a hopefully, you know, fully vaccinated party where you, you know, you can you can kind of go out there and and have some peace of mind. So if feel lucky to be able to finally do it do that again.
1: All right, John, you enjoy your barbecue. I'll do my best to enjoy mine. And, hey, enjoy the quarterfinals of Euro 2020. I know you'll be watching. Will do. See you next time, John. See you next time.